0: Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with Digital Engagement, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they'll discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham.
1: Welcome, 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 welcome. Those of you who have been listening for years know that the number of welcomes indicate the number of guests. And we've got a packed stage. Now, I didn't say house, packed stage today. This is the final episode of one of our longest-running SAP Game Changer series, Changing the Game with Digital Engagement. It's been changing the game with social selling, social engagement, because Kirsten Boyleau, our sponsor, our lead speaker today, is keeping up with the trends always. So, Kirsten, thank you for seven wonderful years. I promise not to cry. Everybody on the panel, wave hello to LinkedIn. There we are. This is the first time and the last time we're <laughs> live streaming this show. Oh my, oh my. I will try not to cry as I said. So let me do five, let me do four little buzz quotes and then we'll get started. By the way, let me just introduce the panelists first. We have, let me go around the table here at Kirsten Boyleau at SAP, wave hello. Sarah Goodall at Tribal Impact Wave Hello. Mike Orr at Seismic. And we also have Steve Watt at Seismic. Wearing a seismic t-shirt. Bernie Borges at i I got it, I-Q-O-R, that's a new one. We'll talk about that, Peroma at SAP. Got you all. Okay, here's my opening buzz. I have a quote from smartinsights.com. They say the best marketers are constantly looking for new digital marketing trends based on the evolution of technology and platforms to identify new opportunities. Do you all agree with that? Think? Yep. Okay. I have a quote from McKinsey. Here we go. Advances in technology, data and analytics will soon allow marketers to create much more personal and human experiences across moments, channels and buying stages. Everybody agree with that? think Mm -hmm. okay I'm waiting for everybody Sarah you got a nod on this one Sarah (laughs) oh she nodded okay I have a third quote is this is from marketinginsidergroup.com the digital marketing landscape changes so much and so frequently that it's almost impossible to imagine what the future of digital marketing may offer in terms of opportunities do you all agree with that Maybe? Okay. And you're all here because our topic today is if I can find a digital engagement in sales and marketing in 2030. The Visionary Speak. We are going to do predictions. We are going to do some forecasts. We are going to do some trend spotting. Oh, I like that word, trend spotting. Did I just invent that, Bernie? Or do you think somebody used that before? Trend spotting?
2: It's yours, Bonnie.
1: Thank you. (laughs) you Bernie's my go-to person for all that good stuff. And I have one more quote. This one is from marketing insider group as well, we will begin to realize the opportunity, listen up, of AI-driven content marketing strategy. If 60 to 70% of the content we create, I'm talking to all of you, goes unused, AI will begin to force us to reconsider what we create and why. And here's an example. Newspapers like the Washington Post and others have been using AI to generate templated content. Think about sports scores, highlights, crime reports for more than two years. So the challenge for marketing in our global audience today is, what could your profession be facing in the next decade? Now, here we are, December 7th, what? 2021, we got through 2020 and we're almost through 2021. Give yourselves a round of applause. (laughs) So stay with us for the next hour and you're gonna hear insights from my six digital marketing and selling experts. Again, Kirsten Boileau at SAP, Steve Watt at Seismic, Sarah Goodall at Tribal Impact, Mike Orr at Seismic, Peromacet at SAP and Bernie Borges at iCore. Digital engagement in sales and marketing in twenty thirty three. Oh, okay. Quick introductions around the table, one minute each, because everybody knows who you all are. But just to refresh, Kirsten Boyleau, you're up. Talk to us. Hi, um, everyone, and
3: and thank you, Bonnie, um, for hosting this very final show, and I'm thrilled to be uh, to be here. Very sad that it's ending. Um, I have. I've been the head of social selling and the head of uh, and re- most recently the head of learning um, for the Marketing and Solutions organization here at SAP.
1: Thank you very much. Let's go around the table. Next up, who have we got? We've got Steve Watt. Steve, talk to
4: us. Thanks, Bonnie. So I'm Steve. I, I'm with Seismic. Uh, I focus on all things uh, buyer engagement and social selling and modern digital selling, working with our own sales team to help them become leaders in the space, working with our many clients around the world, and, uh, and also uh, talking about these kinds of topics with anyone who will listen. So thanks for having me, Bonnie.
1: And they're all listening. Sarah Goodall, you're up next. Sarah? Yeah.
5: Hi, everyone. I'm, C- I'm Sarah. I'm the CEO of Tribal Impact. And we help organizations, B2B organizations, take a holistic approach to social activation, of which it includes social selling, but it includes a lot social in- influence, leadership, all kinds of things. So joining the dots between all the programs. That's what we do.
1: Social influence. I like that. Mike Orr, you're up. Talk to me. Hi,
6: Bonnie. Uh, thanks again for having me and all the uh, job you've done hosting. Uh, I'm the GM of uh, Live Social at Seismic. Uh, Seismic is the leading sales enablement platform in the industry, and importantly, the only one that embeds social in the digital selling motions of modern sellers.
1: Thank you very much. Paroma Sen at SAP,
7: you're up. Hi, Bonnie. So nice to be here again with you. I'm going to miss you. (laughs) Um, To everyone, I'm Paroma Sen. This is my third time on the show, I guess. I'm a senior director in SAP's Industry Cloud Solutions Group, and uh, leading discrete and manufacturing industries. Thank you, Bernie Borges.
2: You're up. Thank you, Bonnie. I'm Bernie Borges. Uh, I'm the head of global content marketing at ICORE. ICORE is a BPO business process outsourcing company, which is a fancy word for saying we manage call centers with 35,000 employees globally. As a head of content marketing, I get to host the Digitally Irresistible podcast, which is the the image that you see behind me. And uh, thank you. I'm honored to to be on the last show. Kirsten, thank you for sponsoring this show for the last seven years. It's been fantastic. And Bonnie, thank you for being the best host that I know.
1: Well, my goodness, I am very honored. You said something very nice to me on LinkedIn, Bernie, and I responded. By the way, what's the name of your podcast, Bernie?
2: Digitally Irresistible.
1: And Bernie always told me, well, I first met him years ago on Kristen's show, and I said, how do I pronounce your last name? And he said, just rhymes with gorgeous. We're just going to leave that.
2: <laughs> like my daughter. My daughter is gorgeous. That. So, you know, irresistible.
1: I, I like the irresistible idea. Thank you very much. Let's do some opening quotes. I'm going to read the quote with a very brief attribution and then tell us what it has to do with our topic today. Kristen sent us the iconic, a classic quote from Forrest Gump, played by the one and only Tom Hanks, 1994 epic romantic comedy drama film if you haven't seen it go find it streaming somewhere quote my mama always said life was like a box of chocolates you never know what you're gonna get i hope i did that okay kirsten (laughs) you're up talk to us thank you kirsten what do you what does this have to do with our topic well it's i just felt it was so
3: applicable to to what we were going to be talking about today i mean the the you know if you think about marketing and sales in 10 years time nine years time really i guess uh who knows what it's going to look like? You never know what you're going to get. That's where, where it came to.
1: And Kirsten, do you believe, Do you agree with some of the predictions and the comments I read in the opening, the buzz quotes about where it's going, more AI-driven content and oh, the landscape yeah, for, for changing?
3: sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We're becoming far more data-driven, um, data intelligent, and and using that data to make decisions. So yeah, absolutely.
1: Thank you very much. Let's go to quote from Steve Watt. This is one I was not aware of, the band The Tragically Hip. I don't know whether that's The Tragic Hip or The <laughs> Tragically Hip. I'm so- Sorry, anybody over 55 would get that joke. The song is ahead by a century 1996 by the Canadian rock band, Tragically Hip, one of the 10 most played songs in Canada that year, and the final song performed at their final concert. And the song was used by CBC Television for their highlight montage to close the 2016 Summer Olympics coverage. Here's the quote. With illusions of someday cast in a golden light, no dress rehearsal, this is our life. Oh, Steve, I'm getting
4: chills here. Talk oh, to me. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a reminder to me and I guess to lots of other people, we only get one go round at this. So don't waste it, you know, uh, and, and tragically, Gord Downie, the leader of the Tragically Hip and the writer of that song and many other incredible songs uh, died far too young. Um, he died at age 53 of brain cancer. And um, that song uh, strikes in the heart of anyone who who's a fan of of uh, great Canadian music, a fan of that band, and just a fan of of someone like Downey, who is just an incredible, well-rounded human being. And I think it's a reminder that you know the the clock keeps ticking, and and uh, this is there's no dress rehearsal. You only get one go, so make the most of it. Steve,
1: relate that to our topic: the vision forward to 2030 for what you do, what you all do. What do you think?
4: Well, I, I mean, I, I think it's a it's a reminder of, of it's always about humans, human beings. Um, I was kind of like so-so on some of those quotes you were saying at the outset, because I think sometimes marketers and salespeople get too obsessed with technology and they forget the human Ooh. piece and they want the technology to replace the humans. Uh, I think the technology needs to augment the humans and needs to help human sellers and human marketers be even better and never, ever forget that it's, it's, it's one or, or several human beings on the other side of the, the uh, engagement as well. So uh, I think you could tie it all together that, that as much as technology changes, the fact that we're all humans here and we have to bring our humanity to it, that's never going to change
1: i like that that's not contrarian to what i read from those quotes that's basically taking it to another level and steve and everybody i'll tell you on many of my other sap game changer shows and my other client shows i often say we talk about you should do this you should do that and i say to my panelists who is you who are the people? Who are the people in your neighborhood? I'm sorry. Who who are the people who are supposed to be the you who are supposed to do this? Who are these marketers? Who are the people to whom you are marketing? Right? People, people. Thank you, Steve. That was a, a put us back on a track there. I appreciate it. Sarah Goodall sent us a quote from USR, stands for U.S. Robotics. CEO and co-founder Lawrence Robertson, a Roberson, played by Bruce Greenwood. The movie I Come a Robot, stylized as I small lowercase comma robot 2004 american sci-fi action film that's all i'll say if you haven't seen it which i haven't go find it which i will here's the quote i suppose your father lost his job to a robot maybe you would have simply banned the internet to keep the libraries open oh sarah please unpack this what does this mean for a- <laughs> <laughs> What does it have to do with our topic? Go ahead.
5: Well, the first thing I looked at when we were looking at the topic was it's all about artificial intelligence. It's about moving fast, technology, keeping up with the pace. And I suddenly thought of iRobot because I, I, I really enjoyed the movie. Um, but I And then I suddenly thought, you know, there's a lot of attitude which is, this is not happening, we're not moving, it's not going on. And that quote reminded me, it's like, it's happening, right? You can't shut the internet down to keep the libraries open. So you're going to have Have to embrace it Um, and there are companies that do think that they can shut the internet down to keep the libraries open you're going to have to embrace it learn it move with it grow with it it's coming so you're just going to have to to learn so don't try and keep your head in the sand
1: There you go. Thank you very much. Wake up, look up, listen up, and do something, right? And deal with it. Deal with it. Okay. That's my closing line on that one. Mike Orris sent us a quote from the character Jack Burton played by, oh, Kurt Russell. What can I say? Big Trouble in Little China, 1986 American fantasy. I love this. Listen to the genres on this. Fantasy, martial arts, action, comedy, film. Now, when did you ever get all of those put together in one sentence? Jack Burton helps his friend rescue Wang Chai's green-eyed fiancé from bandits in San Francisco's China Chinatown mysterious underworld where ancient sorcerer David Lopan requires a woman with green eyes, I have blue eyes so I'm safe, to marry him in order to release him from a centuries-old curse. That's the plot. And here's the quote Jack Burton says in the movie. Like I told my last wife, I says, honey, I never drive faster than I can see, besides that, that, it's all in the reflexes oh Mike this is a new one for me what in the world does this mean well it was
6: a it was a formative quote for me in my in my childhood uh, John carpenter was a great influence but um I think it's it's funny I've, th- I've actually talked about uh, I think they're talking about remaking this film so maybe everyone will get a chance to see it and a little bit more current special effects but um, I, I like the idea that, hey, 2030 is a long way away. It's tough to see what that exactly is going to be. You need to have a big vision, you need to be ambitious, and you need to be aspirational in, in looking down the road, but you don't need to drive faster than you can see. That's where people end up in, in trouble, That's is that they, they, they close the libraries because the internet is coming. Um, and th- really the libraries are still open. Uh, they've adapted, they've changed, and they took it one step at a time. If you can make positive actions towards change in everything that you're doing and embracing digital, like Sarah said, you can uh, get down the road and you don't need to know necessarily where you're going to end up if, as long as you're directionally in the right place. As long as you're moving forward, you're making positive impact.
1: And I like, I'm glad it was a formative quote for you. Interesting. And I like the fact that reflexes right if you're a pro at what you're doing you will pay attention to all of this and maybe not go in the wrong direction but follow the reflexes which are impacted by everything we're talking about today thank you very much mike paroma sent us a quote from an iconic character ellis boyd Red, I can identify with that. Red Redding, played by the one and only Morgan Freeman. Of course, the movie is Shawshank Redemption, 1994 American drama film based on the 1982 Stephen King novella, Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. How many people in this panel remember who Rita Hayworth was? Anybody? Sure sure. Okay. All right. A couple of you do. All right. I think she had red hair, too. Oh, my. Uh, Here is the quote. (laughs) I'll just leave the... I'll go find out. Shawshank Redemption. Fabulous movie. Okay. Here's the quote Perom has selected. I tell you this voice soared higher and farther than anybody in a gray place dares to dream. It was like some beautiful bird flapped into our drab little cage and made those walls dissolve away. For the briefest moment, every last man at Shawshank felt free. Paroma, unpack, please. Talk to me.
7: Sure. Um, So I kept thinking, you know, this is like 2030. We're talking about our vision for that. And we all join marketing and sales for a very specific reason. I joined because, you know, back, back in the day, I thought it was the best blend of art and science and so cool in both directions. You know, you have the creative, you have the data. What else can you possibly ask for? But then we get stuck in this mire of how do we prove ROI? And Digital has upped the game, but we're not quite there yet. So we're so passionate about this. And the visions that we're talking about, the predictions, it's really dreams that we have to get all of us to a better place. So I thought that's that's what it uh, meant to be. I
1: thank you for that. We all want to be at a better place. And my wishes for the world for 2022 are A better place. Let's just leave it at that. Thank you, Bernie. Borges. Interesting quote. You picked a quote from Howard Beale, B-E-A-L-E, the anchorman for the UBS Evening News, played by Peter Finch, the 1976 film Network. Beale struggles to accept the ramifications of the social ailments and depravity in the world. I'll leave it at that. Interesting plot. Here's the quote. I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Are you sure somebody on this panel hasn't said that to a boss at some point in time, Bernie? I don't know. Bernie, talk to me. How'd you find this one?
2: <laughs> yeah, I love that quote. I thought it was very relevant to something that I think we've all seen, talked a lot about this year in 2021, and that is the great resignation. Early this year, we started to see a lot of news coverage around that. And I'll share just a couple of data points around that. The employees between the age of 30 and 45 have actually had the greatest resignation rates among all employees. And the two industries most impacted by by the great resignations are healthcare, which you can kind of understand logically why a lot of burnout in healthcare due to COVID, and then technology, which is very interesting. So the way that I see this relating to digital engagement is if leaders are losing people between the age of 30s and 45 in that age range, those are arguably people that have both experience and some wisdom, right? As opposed to... You know, younger workers that are still, you know, have limited experience. Then there's a challenge to, and this is coming full circle back to what Steve said earlier, there's a challenge to actually finding the people that we need to embrace all this wonderful digital technology and put it to work for us. So the challenge for leaders is to harness the human power, the human uh the human technology if you will to actually harness and, and get the best benefit out of the technology that's available to us and i'll quote, quote by saying or actually sharing something that i heard elon musk say just last night on a live interview on the wall street journal ceo forum and he said one of the things that concerns him the most is the declining birth rate he said we need more people He said there's this rumor going around that we need less people he said no we need more people we need more people to fill the jobs of today and tomorrow and since we're talking about you know 2030 which to me is like practically tomorrow anyway uh to me this great resignation thing i don't think is a short-term issue i think it's something that's that leaders have to contend with over the next you know three to five to 15 Mm -hmm. years
1: Very well put. And I think you just, I don't know whether you made that up, Bernie, but human technology. I'm thinking of brain. I'm thinking of heart. I'm thinking of passions. I'm thinking of who we all are. So thank you for that. You can copyright that. And it'll be in your personal uh, audio track at about 20 minutes into the show. So you'll know where to find it, Bernie. You want to use it. Yeah, there (laughs) we go. Okay, thank you all for the wonderful quotes. Really interesting. I learned a lot by doing the research on the backgrounds, the attributions, and let's move on now. We're going to go dive into our topic. By the way, if you're just tuning in, just joining us, I have to tell you that this is the final episode of Changing the Game with Digital Engagement Radio presented by SAP. Shout outs to Kirsten Boyleau on our panel today, longtime sponsor, my wonderful collaborator. I like to call her one of my friends after years of working with her, and a shout out also to a lady who's not on the show today but watching on the live stream. Sylvie Lexow is working as this year's showrunner with Kirsten. Kirsten has worked with many wonderful people and Sylvie is the latest to take the reins of putting these shows together so thank you Sylvie. Now let's go to our deep dive into the topic I will read a statement w- from one of you. Instead of doing agree or disagree around the table here's what will happen I'll have you unpack it for about two minutes we want to make sure we get plenty of although we've already had a really good conversation about the topic. But unpack for about two minutes and I will move on to a statement from the next panelist. However, if anybody wants to challenge, agree or disagree, or say something very important, <laughs> it has to be really important about what somebody said. And Kirsten will go first. Just raise your hand and go, teacher, teacher, call me, call me. And that's me. And I will put you up and you will respond. So let's make this a brisk roundtable. Here we go. Kirsten, statement number one, the rapid pace of change within marketing will require that marketers continually invest in up-to-date skills, assessments, and training on on new tactics, new concepts, and new strategies. Kirsten, unpack, please. Yeah, this
3: actually, I think, you know, this book goes for both marketing and sales, uh, or anyone in any company, honestly. Um, that it is, things are changing so so fast, and they have been changing fast for the last five to ten years. But I think that pace is only going to increase, um, and so. People need to marketers and salespeople need to make sure that they're, um, they're they incorporate learning into their every day, every week, every month, every year. It can't be something that you put off any longer. Um, it's something that we run into a fair amount. Um, as we, you know, try and get people to take the learning programs that we're providing my team. Um, I just don't have time to, to invest in learning. And I, I don't think that's, a, that can't be the attitude any longer. It's just not a viable option. If you want to be here in, you know, three to five years, you have to make sure that your skills are up to date, that you know what to do. Um, and as new technologies come into play, as new concepts, new strategies, um, you know, social selling was one of those things that was brand Brand new, you know, seven, eight, ten years ago, and and people had to invest the time in becoming very, very um, familiar with what the behaviors were, so that they could be successful. Uh, they needed to invest that time and energy um, and passion into it in order to make it work. Same thing goes for the next ten years. You need to
1: figure out what those things are and invest that time and energy. Kirsten, do you remember when the big question people would ask, I think it's going to make all of you smile, is how how many minutes a day am I supposed to take out of my job to learn how to do Twitter? How many minutes a day am I supposed to spend on Facebook to make it worthwhile for my job as a marketer? Does everybody remember those days? We still get them, I was going (laughs) to say.
5: That's not, that's not, that's not, we still get those questions. (laughs) <laughs> Omg!
1: Anybody have a comment on what Kristen said? We all good? Uh,
2: what What I would add, Bonnie, is that yes. you know an expression that uh, has been around for a while is a fool with a tool is still a fool. Uh-huh. So technology is great, but if you just throw technology at people without the learning that's required, they're going to get little to no benefits from it.
1: Bernie, and a permutation on that is the old in the old my old days as a programmer as an early woman in tech we would say G I G O garbage in, garbage out. Right. Okay, we'll leave that one alone. Now let's go to Steve Watt. I'm looking at your predict. Oh, Sarah, do you want to say something?
5: Yeah, only very quickly, uh, yeah. to Kirsten's point, I've wrote some words down because it really reminds me, it's about disruptive thinking. And I think, you know, marketers have to have a growth mindset going forward. They've got to be absolutely. agile, they've got to experiment, they've got to make mistakes, they've got to keep trying. And and it, what reminds me is, is my new marketing guy. He's amazing. Shout out to Estefano. But he, he absolutely disrupts my thinking, which makes me feel very awkward, but I absolutely love it. And sometimes I really get annoyed, but I actually, Quite like it, do you know what I mean? It's really odd, but um so yeah, I just that's all I wanted to say.
1: So, oh, hello to Steph We got to get him on a show one of these days with, with <laughs> oh, your permission. Okay, good. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll talk. We'll talk. Yes, if he's been disruptive enough to be mentioned by you on this show, we got to get him on a show. <laughs> Steve Watt. i li- I flipped your predictions because I like number four the best. So I'm going to read this, and you're going to talk for a minute here. Steve says we're in the very early days of the rise of the super connected enterprise those firms that get there first will build a tremendous and he put it with stars not just quote stars around it tremendous competitive advantage steve watt you always have something important to say
4: go ahead well, I always have something to say anyways. You can be the judge if it's important. But <laughs> going so. back to what Bernie said a few minutes ago, he talked about the great resignation. I like to think more in terms of the great reshuffle. I don't think we're resigning as much as we are resorting ourselves into the right roles in the right firms. And some firms are becoming absolute talent magnets and others are the opposite end of the magnet. They're re- they're repelling talent um, because of old mindsets and old processes and, and old practices. And I, I think that that's part of what I, where I'm going with this, is that those firms that really enable and empower their people are becoming the talent magnets. They're the ones that are coming out on top of the great reshuffle. And where I'm going with this idea of the superconnected enterprises is I think that today, most firms, digitally speaking, are ghost towns. You know, you think about a ghost town, right? There was the facades. The buildings were there. Tumbleweeds blowing through the streets. No people. Right. It's just the sign. It's the facade. And I think that's what we, we've got now in a whole lot of firms. You look online, you look on, on LinkedIn, they've got a LinkedIn company page with a million followers and they post five times a day and they get like six likes. And, and most of them are from their own employees. And there's no conversation. There's no there's no engagement. There's no shaping of the market uh, because they haven't brought their people. So the the super connected enterprise of the future, as I see it, is the company that best enables and empowers their people to show up and speak up socially and build thousands, millions of connections with customers and prospects and partners and industry shapers of all forms. And I say that the super connected enterprises are going to absolutely dominate the ghost towns. They're the ones who are going to like I mean, that's where I like if, if you take two otherwise equivalent firms. One of them is super connected and one is a ghost town. Well, I'll tell you which one I want to work for, which one I want to buy from, which one I want to partner with, which one I want to invest in. Uh, And it's aspirational because nobody's there yet. But I believe that some firms are on the road and that they are going to absolutely trounce those who, uh,
2: who don't get it.
1: Thank you, Steve. That was dynamic. Bernie, hand
2: raised. Go. I want to preface my comment by saying, I am waiting for the day that Steve Watt's is going to say something that I disagree with. <laughs> that just hasn't happened yet, but when it happens, I'll be there, Steve, to disagree with you. We'll see Bring it, bring it Bernie.
1: Um, Steve, like it. Go ahead, Bernie. It, it also,
2: it, it also harkens back to the, the uh, you know, I'm mad as hell and I, and I won't take this anymore, right? The great resignation is largely about that. To your point, Steve, about companies that are, talent magnets like, hey, if I'm mad as hell, I don't have to take it. I'm going to go to a company that's a talent magnet and I'm going to leave the company that that I'm currently with that is repelling people, right? Because I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. So just wanted to add that.
1: Thank you very much. And I will note that I, I'm sure this. you all have the same experience. When you go on LinkedIn, it says you have notifications. It used to be Bob Smith has a new role and Mary Jones has a new role. Now it's Bob Smith (laughs) sends his regrets. He's leaving blank, blank, blank company after 19 years, how amazing it was, but he's going off into the wild blue something, right? Or Mary Jones has decided to stop her her, uh, career that's been going on for for 18 years and she's going to go travel and hike somewhere and she's not sure where, but stay in touch and here's a new email. More and more, I'm seeing these great resignation notices on LinkedIn every single day and the number of years people have been with their companies is amazing. Let's move on. Sarah Goodall, this statement I picked for you, number two, a little bit aligned with what we just said, but I like it because it takes it to another level. Sarah says, culture will be the cornerstone of how organizations attract talent and customers, retain them, and build brand equity in the market. Organizations need to be mindful of the critical connection between culture and how talent chooses their employer, how customers choose their partnerships. Let's focus on customers, choose their partnerships, and how customer experiences are deepened.
5: Sarah, go ahead. Well. What he said, basically. Um, <laughs> I mean, it is. It, I was just nodding away to what you were saying, Steve. It absolutely is. And well, the only thing I would add onto what you said, Steve, is that absolutely it's about you know the the a super. What do you call it again? The super enterprise, the connected enterprise. Steve, what do you call it? I called it I, super
4: connected enterprise. That's I'm trying it. To make I knew it was, mistake, words, you
5: know? it was the words. It was the words. Yeah, it's that. But actually, what you can't do is you can't fake it. So what I'm saying here is that it has to be deep rooted in your organization, across your organization, complete transparency. You can't fake this, right? Because you get found out. And and for me, you can gloss a brand as much as you want, but culture is the cornerstone, I think. And you and I have spoken on this before, mm-hmm. Steve. You know, sure. you can have a super connected company, but unless it lives and it has a heart and it has a passion, it's not really going to do much. So... Thank you very much, yes.
4: You can't fake it. You've got to enable it and empower it.
1: Parama, talk to us, go ahead.
7: Yeah, as as Steve and Sarah was speaking, I I keep thinking that as we talk about the super connected enterprise, and I think Steve, your vision is that you're connected across through partners and the entire ecosystem. There is a tech piece, technology piece there that's kind of missing. I mean, LinkedIn tries to fill that by doing communities, but it's really not taken off. And you need something that connects Purchase decision makers, it's sort of a peer to peer recommendations layer, right? Like, like a cross between a WhatsApp and Snapchat features where, you know, conversations will disappear because of confidentiality reasons beyond a certain point. But that is sort of missing today. There's a gap in the market. It just occurred to me. So I thought I'd bring it up.
4: I say, if you use LinkedIn right, you fill that gap, though. Probably, no, right, that, it's that still if, not you really, there. if your people yeah. really show up, not just as advertisers and not just as hunters, yeah. but as true deliverers of insight and and value, and and they build right. reputation and and rapport and relationships and build trust, that becomes the 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 connective tissue of, of the super-connected enterprise, I believe.
1: Steve, I have a question for you. You talk about the super-connected enterprise, but what about a mid-sized company? What about a startup? What about a boutique firm, if I could use that quaint word? Does super-connected apply to all, I'm assuming? Oh,
4: 100%. And in fact, Thank it's you. the it's the solopreneurs and 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 some of the SMBs that are doing a better job of it today, frankly, than the large companies are. There are some smaller firms that have really brought their people and built a, a real outsized impact and on LinkedIn, and then you look at the giant, you know, the giant tech companies and stuff, ghost towns. So yes, it's 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 available for everyone. I focus more up market, but yep. no, what I'm, what I believe is, is, I think it's universally applicable.
1: That's what I wanted to bring out. Thank you very much. Mike Orr, I'm looking at your statement number four, prediction number four. This is interesting. You say people will still find ways to go offline and off the record to avoid leaving a digital trace. Oh my, we got to hear this one. Mike, you're up.
6: So I I actually had this conversation yesterday with a a CDO at uh, one of the major banks and he was saying how there was 10 billion interactions with customers in the last year and 9 billion of those were digital. Um, So there is a lot of digital interaction happening with companies right now. And we're all working towards driving that digital engagement. But I think the, the watch out here is to always make sure that people are, um, you, are part of your strategy. Uh, Bernie talked about uh, you know, talent uh, and engineering human technology. Uh, Steve talked about the connected enterprise and how bringing people as part of that is super important. Anytime you move up a complexity scale in the products and solutions you're trying to bring to a market, the more human trust becomes a critical component and if you're not able to um, bring your best people and invest in them, and uh, engage offline as well as online, certainly you have to do well on the digital side. But always remember that your people are your representatives of your brand in the market. And if they are not well educated and the best people, um, you're not going to have uh, you're not going to have trust relationships with your clients and your buyers. And uh, I mean, one one of the big things i've learned over the past 7 8 years is that if you want to know where the puck's going for uh for big tech companies uh watch sap and uh, i've seen Kirsten move into learning and development is so appropriate because the way to counteract the uh this great reshuffling and re is to reskill to invest in your people to create a connected enterprise learning and development need to be core and central to your approach to your whole go to market
1: Thank you very much, Kirsten. Anything you want to say back to Mike? Well, thank you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, besides that, of course, we of course we know that.
3: <laughs> no, I, I I think Mike's right. You know that that people need to be at the core of the way that we look towards the future, um, because even though I mean, as Steve said earlier, that that technology is coming and and you know, but we cannot um, expect technology to just take over and to run things for us. Um, People, uh, we still have emotions, we still have needs, we still have desires and dreams, and we need to um, help people fulfill those things so that they can be active and contributing um, uh, members of our, you know, all of the collective companies out there.
1: And the word I didn't hear from anybody yet was empowering your employees. It's great to train them, but if they're still sitting there and feeling muzzled, how are they going to contribute? Is trust an issue? Is telling people, here's the template for Twitter, don't change any words? <laughs> <laughs> how do you, you remember those days? Let's let's leave. I want to move on. I, I've been, Bonnie, I've been but, saying
4: enable and empower because to there me, you they, go. they go hand in hand. Yep. You, need, you need the tools and you need the training. Yep. Uh, yep. Absolutely. You need the enablement you also need to be empowered to use them in a human way.
1: Passion, the passion, the passion, right? I heard somebody criticize the word brand ambassadors the other day on one of my other shows. Somebody said, we can't have people being ambassadors. And I don't know whether they were just challenging the word and the implications of an ambassador. We could talk about that later. I want to move to Paroma Sen. I'm looking at your statement number two. This is interesting. Paroma says, soft marketing metrics, like impressions and clicks, oh my, will disappear. (laughs) Maybe, thank goodness. And marketing metrics and vocabulary around outcomes will become business centric. This will lead to marketing. increased acceptance into the c-suite oh my what about that CMO Paroma talk to us
7: yeah you know while the last ten years we marketers have run down the technology road and done all the super fancy stuff on technology the business side of people are sitting there wondering you know those guys they're making up their own words we don't understand it they're spending a bunch of money we don't get it so (laughs) there's this constant conflict within the c-suite and difficulty proving the value of marketing, right? I mean, on the one side you have share of voice and all these brand metrics and changing perceptions which we tell people will take years to do. So where's the value? And I, I really believe that that needs to change. The way we talk to business needs to change. And we need to, I wouldn't, I will not use the words dumb it down, but really tie our outcomes to hardcore business metrics. We need to be talking only language of revenue and pipeline. And, and, and that's it. And everything else, customer satisfaction is a good one, but impressions, CTRs, SOV, we need to be able to translate that in a much better way than we have done so far.
1: Interesting. Any comments about clicks and impressions, anybody? Anybody? I, think, I, I will- I think ahead that ahead they're and...
4: valuable for marketers, but I agree with, with Peroma's point that upstairs, I don't care about that, but they're still valuable um, wayfinding metrics for marketing helps uh, you to be be able to know that particular things are resonating and and other things are not and some some things are building traction and other things are losing traction i think there's there's that there's how do we wayfind as marketers but yeah if you're going to the ceo and saying (laughs) hey look at all these impressions you're having the (laughs) wrong conversation
5: but I,
7: I recognize but what it really impacts is the collaboration in the C-suite, right? I mean, the COO, the operations guy, is is limited in collaborating with marketing because they just don't speak the same language. That, that's really my point.
1: Yeah. Somebody else raised their hand. Bernie, go ahead.
2: Yeah. So uh, I'm 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 putting a, an article in the chat here that's from Deloitte that speaks to the fact that the CMO is actually the most trusted member of the C-suite. And one of the primary reasons for that is the CMO is increasingly becoming the executive owning the customer experience. Mm -hmm. And you can tie revenue to customer experience. So when the CMO owns the customer experience, now you've got an executive in the C-suite who is is responsible for revenue and has a seat at the table, as the expression goes, in terms of interacting with the other members of the C-suite.
1: I remember the early days of Game Changers Radio, where I started my business radio career at SAP in 2011. Does anybody know what October 5th, 2011, what date in in technology history that was? Anybody remember? That was not not a, a, when Steve Jobs iPhone. died? Yes, that was the day Steve Jobs died. And that was the day I started my first Coffee Break with oh. Game Changers show. And two hours yeah. after we got off the air, the news came that that uh, Steve Jobs had passed away. So I will never forget the first day. <laughs> it's n- no link. I can tell you that. Okay. Now, uh, question. I completely forgot my question. Oh, we used to have an early, early sponsor of one of my shows way, way back, probably 2013 in the beginning, because I've been doing this for SAP for 11. Uh, years. Hard to believe Kirsten, right? All together. And I still have one series that's with me just renewing for their 12th season. Oh my! And this gentleman who sponsored a particular series used to send out a report every week on the number of impressions on the click throughs, on the tweets, on the shows. And he he just loved it when he was up to tens of thousands and a hundred thousand. And this was how he lived with his management telling them about the impressions. This was the only metric that really resonated back in the day. And he was a wonderful sponsor and I hope he'll come back. He's camping with his boy scout troop somewhere okay now let's go to bernie borges bernie i like your statement number four, your prediction because we haven't talked about this at all although i did allude a little bit to it in my opening you say blockchain is here to stay and it's changing marketing forever bernie educate me go ahead
2: yeah so we're talking about um digital engagement in 2030 which is you know only eight years away And blockchain is arguably one of the, and some are arguing, the most prolific technology advancement ever because of its decentralization. And the the buzzword that's being thrown around in relation to blockchain that's less technical is Web 3.0. And the analogy that I like on Web 3.0 that really kind of simplifies it is, Web 2.0 is like buying a ticket to a concert, you go to the concert, you take a bunch of pictures, you, you post them on linked on, on social media with your friends, pictures of the band and everybody's, you know, sort of, you know, shares in that experience with you. Web 3.0 is you do that plus you go backstage with the band. The difference is that in web 3.0 people actually participate with the brands that they love. And a lot of that is happening through what's known as tokenization right whether it's a creator coin or a non-fungible toy, uh, token which is known as an nft so it's change it's going to change marketing in, in such a prolific way we're seeing we're seeing the early adopters of it mostly b2c brands you've got the macy's the adidas the bidwisers the 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 NFLs of the world that are, you know, out there creating their NFTs and selling them in the open market. But let me give you a hypothetical. And this is a hypothetical. I have no inside track. But imagine if the the annual SAP Sapphire event, imagine if, uh, I don't know how many people attended. I'm going to say 20,000. Maybe that's not the right number, but just work with me. Let's say it's 20,000 people. But let's say SAP says we're going to mint 500 NFTs. And with each NFT, you have a unique experience at Sapphire. Whatever that may be, you know, one person gets, you know, uh, breakfast with the CEO, another person, you know, gets some, something else that's unique. The tokenization that we're about to see is going to change everything, including how we sell. So the sales teams are going to need to understand what Web 3.0 is. Companies are going to need to be embracing it and then training. We talked about training earlier, training their sales teams on how to actually um, integrate Web 3.0 attributes like tokenization. And we're still early days. I've heard some people say we're in the first inning, a baseball metaphor. I've heard other people say we're just getting out of the dugout, not even in the first inning and here we are coming up on 2022 as we record this. So there's so much, it it comes back to what I said earlier. It's a shared ownership. It's a participation that has not existed before. Blockchain technology makes that possible and we don't even know what we're gonna see in 2022, 2025, 2028, 2020, 2030. I mean, the, I don't think our ma- imagination is just like, we couldn't imagine the iPhone before it came to us. We just didn't even imagine having this super cute computer in our hands. If you watch Steve Jobs presentation on that, what he was announcing that day was the, the greatest connectivity to the internet ever. And he said, oh, it's a phone too. <laughs> right. So, so we don't even know what's coming. But the foundation from the from blockchain technology is here to stay. You, we can't go backwards. We can only go forwards. And it's, it's super exciting. And it also comes back again, once again, to the human element, like we need people to innovate, and then to get it out there into the marketplace into the world and use it and use it for good in the world. We need there.
1: people We need people to stay excited, right, Bernie? Stay excited because yep. there's so much more to come. Any comments from anybody about what Bernie shared? Because I want to try and do a quick one more from at least a couple of you. Everybody good? Okay, Kirsten, I'm looking at your statement number three. I put it in the chat for you. This is interesting. You say, companies will need to earn the right to speak, air quotes, to their customers. Buyers will have much more if not full control of what comes across their screens oh my Kristen, go well i think we've seen the start of that with gdpr
3: and uh um castle in the in canada um where you know companies don't have full control they don't have that right to get in front of you um as a consumer as a buyer anymore they have to earn that right they have to um be very careful with that data that they're collecting on you, and they have to get rid of it if you ask them to. Um, and so I think that will only, as people become more and more aware of the kind of information that's being um uh, collected about them. I mean, people only have a small sense of the, the information that, that is uh, collected about them now. Uh, that is growing as people start to educate themselves. Uh, that will start to change how legis- kind of legislation comes out about what people what can be collected or what can be put in front of someone um, and that you have to opt in to even receive see something come across your screen in any way, shape or form. I think that could be something that comes across in the Next, you know, eight to ten years.
1: Thank you very much. I'm going to move on. I have a statement from Steve Watt. I want to get in here. You say most companies spend huge amounts of time and money chasing diminishing marginal returns in outbound sales and inbound marketing. Both are finely tuned machines in highly competitive environments. They miss a wide open lane through the traffic jam, buyer centric social selling. Steve, take two minutes. Let's go.
4: This is something Mike Orr and I talk a lot about, and I don't know if we found the exact right metaphors, the exact right words, but I do believe we are very right about the message. Uh, Look at any company. They have a finely tuned outbound sales machine and they put tremendous efforts into their emails, their cadences, their wording, their calls to action, their tools, everything. Um, but it's already so finely tuned. They're just, they're eking out small gains. And and it's the same on inbound marketing. Every company's been investing in SEO and SEM and content syndication and conversion rate optimization and everything for years and years and years. You Can always get a bit better but you can't get a whole lot better. And meanwhile, they're completely sleeping on this wide open lane through the traffic jam. And and that's what I like to call buyer-centric social. And that doesn't mean hunting on LinkedIn. It doesn't mean advertising on LinkedIn. It comes back to what I said before about Mm -hmm. really showing up, delivering value, building relationships and becoming the salesperson that people actually want to talk to or becoming the firm that best enables and empowers their people to become the people that hold real credibility and real relationships in the marketplace. And I think if we took a little bit of the time and money from here and a little bit from here and put it here, we'd go a whole lot further through that traffic jam.
1: Thank you, Steve. Let me move on. A statement here from Sarah Goodall. Number three, marketers need to get comfortable with data insights and working in an agile way. I'll stop there. Sarah, go ahead.
5: Yeah, for me, this is, it ties a little bit to what you were saying, Steve. I mean, I always think, I do honestly believe that sales will be bigger than just the sales department. And I do think that organizations need to be smart about how they look at the data holistically, how one thing's impacting the other, how does that change things? You know, working in silos is not going to work anymore, but marketers need to get really comfortable with data, a bit like what you said, Peroma, you know. And it's more about the data. It's about the insights and how you correlate it to the impact within other parts of the organization. That, for me, is going to be the secret of growth, you know, joining the dots. Thank you very
1: much. Let me go to a statement from Mike Orr. Number three, collaboration, keyword, will be key for the entire go-to-market team and will be the bridge between organizations and likely become part of every product. Mike, interesting. Go ahead.
6: Yeah, I think it starts with go-to-market because everything starts with sales, right? Nothing happens until you sell something. But the idea that you can bring people together and unify their purpose around content, communication, creating a better customer experience for your clients, that requires bringing a go-to-market team together. And I, I think the big thing that really aligns that is that it's not just about selling more stuff. I think it's very much about creating a better, um, a, a stickier, a, mo- a more impactful customer experience. So what we've seen on the enablement side is you don't just impact your your revenue metrics directly, your your conversion rates and time to close and all that when you invest in collaboration on that go-to-market team, but you also create higher net promoter score. You create ba- better customer satisfaction because there's trust and there's a better understanding of what the customer is actually getting. That's really the goal of customer experience, I think, and the demand for go-to-market coordination is that you can have a bigger impact on your customers if you're not, uh, if you're organized and uh, and educational in the way that you approach those interactions.
1: Thank you, Mike. Let's move on. I want to get in one from Peroma, one from Bernie. We're almost out of time. Peroma, number four, briefly, marketing and sales will eventually combine, we've been talking about this for years, and become part of, become part of the same tool set used to communicate in a singular, coherent way with customers. Peroma? Peroma?
7: Yeah, Bonnie, I think that starts with unifying the customer journeys and being able to see the entire customer journey on a single platform, whether it is physical or digital or fidgetal or a combination thereof. And, you know, going back to earlier, it starts with unifying the vocabulary around business outcomes. It starts with better acceptance of marketing and understanding of marketing into the C-suite. We'll see... More CMOs become CEOs. They will see better collaboration. But ultimately, those two things have to combine because it doesn't make sense to have one kind of language and communication as a prospect. And then suddenly you change it when it becomes a a customer, right? So, yeah, that unification is is pretty important and I think coming very very soon.
1: Thank you. Very interesting. Bernie Borges, you get the last one. Then we wrap up. Bernie's statement number two, account-based experience is replacing account-based marketing. Oh, Bernie, talk to me.
2: Sure. So I think we all know what account-based marketing is. Uh, I I think this point really kind of comes back to the point that Mike was just making, and that is the experience. Now, in this case, it may be pre-customer, right? The people that we're prospecting and trying to sell to, but instead of trying to get them to become MQLs and contact form fillers and all of that, you know, let's give them an experience where they actually learn something about your brand. It also comes back to something that Peroma said earlier, where they gain insight into your culture and how it aligns with the buyer's culture, the buyer's desire and whoever that they select. So, you know, the ABM model, again, instead of it being transactional, let's make it relational and create a great experience for the prospect.
1: Thank you very much. So much to talk about. Kirsten, we needed two hours for this special. I know. <laughs> Kirsten, we've got about two and a half minutes left before I close. So why don't you <clears throat> talk to your guests, talk to your audience, talk to your global listeners. you built up a loyal audience over the years. Kirsten, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm going to do it anyway. Go ahead. <laughs> well, thanks, Bonnie. I, I guess I would have to say that this has been
3: one of the best experiences of my career is being able to – interact with such amazing, amazing thought leaders as all of you that I can see on the screen today. Um, And I know that I've met most of you in person. If not all of you in person, on several occasions, and um, it, my my life has been made richer, um, and I'm my professional life has been so much more exciting since uh, having met each and every one of you. And thank you all for um, participating over the last seven years in um, in these conversations. It has really been a a really enriching experience. I hope for our audience as well that they've learned something, that they've taken something away, and went, ah, oh, you know, I could really use that today, or um, I'm gonna. I'm going to see how we might be able to implement that in, in my company. Um, That's what I really was hoping for these, um, uh, you know, the this podcast and, and the way that um, we brought together all of these thought leaders was that people would take away something that they could implement ultimately. And, um, and so I'm hoping that, uh, you know, you've all had a great experience as I have. um, And I really want to thank you again for for being um, great visionaries, great thought leaders and for being my friends. So,
1: Oh, that's so sweet. Well, Kristen, we, we want to thank you for being the thought leader who put this all together when you and I first met seven or eight years ago at SAP. Uh, I don't know whether I approached you or you approached me, but we came up with the idea, and I applaud you for keeping on changing the title of the show. It was social selling, <laughs> that it was social engagement, and it was digital engagement. That's where we landed on it. And I know we've had some controversial comments from some of your speakers over the years about what do you mean? Uh, we, we've had all, but this is a controversial and provocative field. Marketing is where, where is it going? What kinds of technology, what kinds of skills, upskills? Who are the people? who are best suited to this today going forward, engaged, mm-hmm. empowered, passionate, trained, aware, alert, uh, open to learning. And I have to close. So I want to say thank you to Aaron Keller, our engineer. Aaron's going to miss you too, Kristen. And I'm going to miss you deeply and dearly. My prediction is that someday soon I'm going to hear the echo of Arnold in the Terminator and in the person of <laughs> Kristen Boyleau. And he's going to say, I'll be back. And it'll be <laughs> Kristen Boyleau telling me, Bonnie, I'm ready to start another series with you. And you know where to find me, my dear. So thank you to all of you for being part of this very lively, very fun show. And let me close with my usual closing because what else would I do? Right, Bernie? Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Just like Kirsten. Just wave when I call your name. Just like Kirsten Burlow, Just like Steve Watt. Just like Sarah Goodall. Just like Mike Orr. Just like Peromacin. Just like Bernie Borges. Bonnie D signing off, everybody safe, happy holidays, be healthy, be happy. And let's look forward to a much better year in 2022. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Bye-bye. Sticker-
0: Thanks again for tuning in to changing the game with digital engagement presented by SAP, the best run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again, Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.